Marta Telado is the CEO of Consumer Reports. Yes, that Consumer Reports. And the author of a new book, Buyer Aware, that raises the red flag for all consumers that we should and can be active participants in our safety and privacy, both online and offline. I was especially interested in having this conversation with Marta because the wellness and influencer industry scare me. I see too many people pushing supplements and such without really bringing awareness to the fact that these industries aren't actually regulated. Martha was awesome in answering questions about privacy, regulations, and how we can protect ourselves, our children, and our elderly loved ones. I'm Vivian. This is Happy to Be Here, and here's my conversation with Martha Telado. I'm really excited to be in another episode of Happy to Be Here, this time with the one and only Martha Telado, who is the author of, I have the book right next to me for full promo, Buyer Aware. And we'll actually be hosting a giveaway for a copy of the book when this podcast launches because I, my one copy that I was sent to me got lost in the mail and took a little longer to get to me. So now I have two copies and I want to make sure I'm sharing the wealth around. Thank you so much, Vivian. Uh, I, I'm so glad that you you have the book and I, I'm excited about the giveaway, but um, it's great to be here and great to engage with you once again. And I am so I happy know. to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, I'm excited. How about you go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone who's listening? All right. Well, I have two identities. Uh, for some people, I am Marta Tolado, and for other people, I'm Marta Tellado. So I know mm-hmm. that you have a very diverse audience. And so that that is a really terrific way to uh, to be present. So you're right. I just I just completed a book and it's my first book and I'm really excited about it. And it's a, and it's, you know, I am the CEO of Consumer Reports. It's a remarkable organization that's been around uh, since 1936, fighting for consumers and for fairness and justice in the marketplace. Um, and so people are sometimes surprised when they realize that I opened the book with a very personal story about who I am and why I ended up at this organization. And it really starts with my family um, when they fled from Cuba in the early 1960s uh, after a revolution. And uh, of course, uh, they were committed to uh, coming to the U.S. They saw it as a beacon of hope and opportunity. It was an immigrant experience. Um, And that that choice they made was really the opening chapter of my life story. You know, as an immigrant, you know that you take on as a child, you absorb the culture and you the language so much yeah. faster, and you find yourself translating and being the eyes and ears of adults, uh, and you get a tremendous sense of responsibility. But you also are overwhelmed by the amount of decisions, you know, whether it's translating labels for your grandfather who's a diabetic and has to eat certain foods, or accompanying your parents to appointments where you have to be the translator. So um, it, it, it really begins there. Um, but I have to say that uh, it, is, it is also such an incredible privilege and so exciting to wake up and to know that I get to go to work every day uh, on behalf of, of consumers. So in, in the sense, my choice was about uh, their commitment to hope and mm-hmm. opportunity. And my commitment was really to... Um, their heartbreak, and that that wouldn't be in vain, that that I would commit myself, try to commit myself to a life of service, engagement, of purpose, and significance, because... And you have. (laughs) Thank you for that. At the core, really, so much of my choices have been around the belief that one can have democratic freedoms and economic equity. Both can coexist, Mm -hmm. and both can uh, can thrive for us. 
I think you've done just such an amazing job, both in your role as CEO, but also just in this book at, at being that translator for a lot of consumers, right? The, I think that those Latino first generation qualities of being the translator for our families end up manifesting in our <laughs> careers in different ways along the way. But I do think that you have so impressively, and I mean, astonishingly through all these stories, opened my eyes to a lot of things that I think a lot of people in general are also have eyes closed to and, and how the world works with our privacy and the things that we are consuming, honestly. Um, so I'd love to hear more about the decision to report this book in the way that you did and what you even learned throughout it. Well, absolutely. So um, the irony, you know, the the, the book mm-hmm. is really, uh, the jumping off point is that the irony is that so many of the things that my parents hoped for uh, and the reason that drew them here is really on the line. If you Mm -hmm. think about our democracy, you think about the marketplace, so much change, so dramatically. Many of us have lost trust in government and the marketplace. um, And the balance of power is feeling like it has shifted away from us, from people, from consumers. And so uh, the buyer aware uh, the, the, the book to me is a larger story about our democracy, and it's about that the, the reality that really it, it can only flourish if our marketplace is also fair and just for all of us. So I try to reveal in these stories that you mentioned what's holding us back. But uh, I also, I think, uh, want to reveal the force that we can have when, when we lift our voices together. Um, and so I'd say one of the uh, things that was surprising to me and like the choices and the stories that were put in front of me were two things. Um, you know, I have a tremendous staff. I have investigators. I have testers. I have engineers. Uh, I have people who go in the state house, in Congress to fight for what uh, consumers really need to have a fair and just marketplace and connecting to them and digging into these stories with them, right? It takes a village. You know, people say writing a book is, is, is lonely and isolating. To me, it connected me to some of the staff people who are on the front lines every day. And so going through those stories, making those stories happen. And secondly, it connected to me to um, the people uh, who have been victimized. You know, I, I met and sat with parents who've lost a child because they brought in an unsafe product into their home. And yet, despite that, I've seen them band together and face down power and create change. You know, whether it's uh, getting inclined sleepers that have been so tragic to so many young infants or Mm -hmm. furniture where I've seen people uh, band together and create parents against tip overs, you really see the, the, the power that you can have uh, and the resilience. And to me, that was just so remarkably inspiring um, with each yeah, and like the the topics that you touched on across the board, I think that they're the uniting thread obviously is the consumer, but also the consumer safety, the consumer's privacy. Like how are we protecting, especially as technology continues to advance, how are we making sure that we're protecting the people who are using this unbeknownst, right? Like I think that on this conversation, probably most people who are listening may even feel it may not even be them. It may be their parents and maybe their sibling, younger siblings who are not as privy to all the difference. And now, like when I was reading through the book and the sections on privacy and everything from like your Alexa and your Siri and what triggers them and how they can be listening in felt so also aligned to 
how women in general right now feel very watched and very controlled and not safe in their environments. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more about that, like from you, what the takes are on privacy and what people should be watching out for when it comes to that. Um, you're absolutely right. We're in a completely different space. Um, all of the years that we've been fighting for protections and rights for consumers have been in the analog world. And shockingly, a lot of the rules and protections we secured do not apply to the digital space. And so we are really very exposed and very vulnerable. And I'm glad you raised uh, how women are especially vulnerable. I'll talk a little bit, too, about the elderly, right? And then I'll, I'll come back yeah. to women. So personally, I experienced that with my father. My father, lifelong diabetic, um, he saw some pop-up ads that were targeting him. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, they convinced him to stop taking his diabetes medication. So it, it misinformation, the business model of tracking you and collecting your data, knowing about you, can be actually very dangerous and very life-threatening. And to me, the, the surprise was, how did we get to a place where our privacy is a setting on mm -hmm. a device, not a right? That we have to change. Mind blowing. That. Mind yes. blowing. And it will not change unless we demand it to change. So the the, the disappointment comes when you realize that um, the rules in the analog world don't apply, but you also see inaction uh, on mm -hmm. the part of our regulators and our watchdogs now. And we know that on the digital side, we have not seen some very effective self-policing. Uh, corporate power continues to grow, no accountability, no transparency. If we want to rebuild trust, you can't do that without accountability and transparency. And so uh, the business model of collecting our data and tracking us, as you say, has um, even graver uh, consequences for women and girls. And one of the things uh, we're particularly proud about is being part of what we call a cybersecurity coalition. And the cybersecurity coalition is really all about how uh, protecting yourself and cybersecurity is not just left up to the experts or some cyber geek sitting you know, in a government building. We, as women and young girls, have to empower ourselves. And so you see an organization like the Girl Scouts now have a badge for that. So you have to start early, particularly when we know that stalking uh, from the physical world has migrated onto the digital world. So what do we have to do uh, to make that and, and change that? And, and so I think um, we've tried to give a lot of guidance. I would say if there's one thing your listeners can do um, on a personal level is um, go to Consumer Reports Security Planner. Just walk through that drill of what do I need to do to shut the door on what you feel may be dangerous ex-boyfriends, um, what you feel could is her online harassment. How can you do that? Right now, it's on us, and that's not right. Right? Why is the burden on women to do that? So, so yes, on a personal level, let's shut the door on that by understanding how our devices can work for us. But let's all figure out a way um, to be part of this community of consumers that really demands that this happen by default 
not because we have to learn how to turn all those switches in the right direction. You also just opened up a conversation that I really wanted to have, especially with you, which is I'm obviously very much in the mental wellness, well-being space. And one of my gripes with that space is how unregulated it is and how easy it is for people to have access to very large communities of people on the internet and tell them that this product is the thing that they should be taking or this practice should be the thing that they're looking for. And that for me, as someone responsible in the space, but also just a consumer is scary because you're not, there's no regulations. There's no uniform way to acknowledge what wellness thing is the right thing. And like you mentioned with your father, like I have an uncle who watches YouTube videos of doctors who are not his doctor telling him like, no, I shouldn't be taking my blood pressure medicine or I didn't, shouldn't take this kind of stroke medicine. I should take this. And I'm like, who do they, like they are not your medical record person. <laughs> so why are you putting so much faith into them? But I do think that because of the availability of information, we feel like available information is good information. And that isn't always true. Well, that's, that's, that's really true. So we're at a point right now where there is more information at our fingertips than ever before. But the question is, how much trust do you put in that information? Mm -hmm. um, so think about all the influencers. Let's talk about that, Vivian, because so mm -hmm. many of us um, see the growth of influencers online and they are promoting products and what we know from a recent survey is that 25% of people said that they brought a product because of an influencer. Mm -hmm. um, influencers don't use science. They don't use knowledge about the healthcare and wellness industry that you care so much about. But here's what they do do. Often they're being paid. It's advertising, right? It's another source of selling you and promoting something that's not based on information that you can trust. But again, this is a point where the burden is on us right now. Um, and there, there have to be more systemic solutions. We have to hold platforms accountable to moderate some of the content, whether it be hate speech, whether it be harassment, whether it be misinformation. We see how dangerous it can be. Um, and I've certainly seen that, as I said, in my own life. But um, it's difficult to hold companies that have so much power, right? We're in the hands of four big platforms where they've quashed competition, and so what consequences do they really face uh, in light of that? Uh, that that's, that's a serious question. What do you think is something that someone who's listening right now can do as they're trying to kind of hone that muscle of being judicious against what they're being sold on the internet by people that they do trust for fashion and that may suddenly also promote this one supplement or this one form of diet? And they have that trust that, to them is almost seemingly transferring over, but maybe it shouldn't be. Like maybe there should be a different judicious process by which we say, I'll trust you on the dress and the sale at Abercrombie, but I don't want to trust you on whether or not I should be taking the supplement. Well, that's right. And I'm glad you brought up supplements because boy, we've been investigating those and there are very few uh, regulations or mm -hmm. standards. Um, and that's something that, that we're very much focused on. Uh, if the rules are fair, and the incentives are positive, we can hold government and companies accountable. That's not mm -hmm. the case yet. That's why we have to band together. I will say to your question, what do we? What can we do right now? Mm -hmm. That's probably one of the main reasons I wrote the book. The complexity of the world out there. Who is your translator? Who can you trust? 
you know, I, I'd say we're a nonprofit. So when you come and you do any kind of shopping or, or information gathering at Consumer Reports, we're powered by people. We're powered by our members. You're not going to get a pop-up ad. You're not going to be tracked about, you bought this, we're going to sell you that. Uh, that's all too few is the case. So I, I'm what, I, what my hope is about on BuyerAware is that um, people could come to it and really at the end of every chapter, I provide like easy steps. What can you do to get started? Because I think that's what people are really lost about. What is the trusted source you can do? And then, um, so my, my first advice would be, um, check it out at buyeraware.cr.org. Tells you a little bit about the work that we're doing. It walks you through some of the issues that might be impacting your life and how you can join with others. Don't feel alone. You're not alone. You're not the only one who is lost in the sea of misinformation or is trying to get the truth about something. So I think the first thing is empower yourself. Be aware. Um, and then I'd say the second thing is recognize that together we have much more impact uh, as a voice. And we have been here before. Um, we have fought for, you know, many people don't understand that, uh, you know, something as simple as seatbelts didn't come with cars. We had to fight for that. As much as we're fighting now for all that wonderful new technology that we know in your car that saved lives, but guess what, Vivian? It's a luxury, right? Those are luxury add-ons. Since when did life-saving technology become a luxury to sort of up the price of, of a car that is so needed in your life? So I think it's I think it's the the personal choices and awareness, but also the systemic issues that we have to face. And right. what I'm most proud of is when I go to fight on behalf of consumers, I get a very very conscious ear because they know I am part of a community of millions of people who believe that the market should be fair and just, and it isn't going to happen unless we demand and raise our voice. And you're doing such amazing work, and I think something that you've noted a couple of times even in this conversation already has been it's not only what we can do as a prevention measure or like switching off those toggles on our privacy settings but also what do we not know right like you, when you were talking right now about supplements and that wellness I feel like a lot of people probably don't know how unregulated those spaces actually are was that something that as you were in this role as CEO but also researching the book that you wanted to make sure people understood like actually supplements aren't regulated or the ways that advertising happens aren't actually regulated. You're absolutely right. We make all kinds of assumptions. We go to the marketplace and we assume that what we're being sold is safe. Um, it's been reviewed by experts. That's not the case, that the food is safe. Um, we've been testing baby food for arsenic, for heavy metals. We're finding way too much there. Um, we've been testing furniture because children climb on it, it tips over. It get killed, and we know that we know the physics of a piece of furniture. What's going to cause it to mm -hmm. tip over? But the standards are voluntary, so we don't know that. We think everything on the market we assume is safe, and it's not. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say that that's um, that kind of awareness to your um, to your listeners pays a heavy burden on our mental health. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I think I think, you know, who's the translator? Who's going to help you make those decisions? We have enough issues in our lives that we're trying to navigate. <laughs> yeah. um, so so we want to take some of that burden off uh, and we can do that if we work together, if we create 
uh, a larger voice, a bigger voice that says, there's another way of doing this. We could put people at the center, not just profits and not just um, in the hands of so few. Can you shed some light on how Consumer Reports, you, this book, works as that translator and what topics you really want to bring to the forefront for people to pay attention to more and to understand a little better? Well, we're we're an amazing organization in that, you know, so many people think, uh, oh, yeah, Consumer Reports, they're raining our cars and my dishwasher. And you're right. We do all those things. Uh, we do those things because we're trying to incentivize the market to do better, right? Raise the bar. And when you give consumers information, um, they make good choices. Uh, that information is also not transparent. But Mm-hmm. There are also moments where you have to conduct investigations. You have to get on the front lines of what's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. So um, I'd love to give you some examples. I've talked yeah. about the seatbelts. I've talked about student loans. There, there's a big um, right now. We're we're thinking, you know, that's that's on the front burner because um, of the loan forgiveness plan that we've just seen come out of the White House. I'm glad it's raising the conversation because too many. We know for me. Anyway, mm-hmm. higher education was the bridge to my future. I wouldn't be sitting here talking 100%, to you. Hundred percent. I mean, right? <laughs> same. So we're closing the door um, because it's uh, it, the price is escalating, and we are seeing loan servicers, student loan scammers. How do we stop that? How do we create the rules and the regulations that uh, provide folks with a bridge to a future that is going to give them economic nobility, not trap them in a whirlpool of debt? So that's, I think, something that we're paying a lot of attention to. But we're also paying attention to a variety of ways in which the market has an inherent bias, an inherent bias to certain communities, communities of color. Um, Think about your car insurance. Everybody has to have car insurance because you can't drive a car without it. But you think your car insurance is based on your driving record. But what we found out when we did an investigation was that it's based on the zip code that you live in, and sometimes the color of your skin. So the price that you're paying is not the price that perhaps a neighbor two, two, two um, neighborhoods down uh, are paying is free. Same thing with all the hidden fees that you see in the marketplace. Every time there's a hidden fee, you think you know what the price is, they change it up on you. Um, we've already talked about the privacy protections. Um, and then on misinformation, our community suffered a great deal around COVID-19 uh, because they didn't have a place to turn to for, for the right information. Um, and so I was glad to see that uh, some local newspapers were able to um, provide the information to turn things around and to create a trusted source. But that's not always the case. A lot of local newspapers are really suffering right now. So. I'll just close by saying one of the issues that um, we take for granted also is the water that comes out of your tap. And we just did an investigation with The Guardian where we tested used volunteers that were part of our Consumer Reports community to test their tap water around the country and to push the issue. And um, you just saw, I think several weeks ago, what's happening in Mississippi. Well, we have volunteers on the ground in Mississippi doing the same and testing for that water quality. So it is that awareness. We have to begin with that awareness. Don't make the assumption. Um, But there are things you could do to protect yourself, to empower yourself, to give yourself more agency. And but we can't stop there. We have to push harder and create a larger voice.
It's one of the things I loved about the book too is how tactical it was. It was both really informative and there was so much there to learn, but also so much to start acting on so that you feel some sense of empowerment as you're navigating a world that is selling you something every other day, but also that you want to be judicious in how you are approaching the things that you're selling. We've talked a lot too about how this community effort really can lead to change like seatbelts in cars, like the things and technologies that keep us safe. How do you feel like, what are the things right now that are of utmost importance that are being lobbied for the government to make action on or that Consumer Reports is really setting their eyes on as like, we need to address this immediately yesterday? Well, I would, everything comes under the rubric of trust, right? We're trying to rebuild trust in our marketplace. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is by getting more transparency and accountability. Um, And I would say that I wish I could say that we've conquered everything in the analog world, but we haven't, right? We've talked about a number of products there that require strict, more safety, more awareness, more um, being conscious that some of the regulations are voluntary. They don't have to. They don't always apply. Like with supplements, I can't believe so many of those are voluntary when people are literally ingesting things that are affecting their health in the longer term. And and I would say that um, there's also uh, the new frontier, which is the digital space. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about uh, the vulnerability of women and girls. We've talked about the consequences of tracking, of not being mm-hmm. able to protect your own data, um, not being able even to control. You know, we've done research on credit scores where um, how, how do you sometimes you can't get a loan because your credit score mm-hmm. uh, is such. Well, how, how do you go about cracking the code and making sure mm-hmm. that's safe for you? So there there are um, there are laws that. Um, we're working on at the state level, and we've seen some mm-hmm. uh, progress at the state level. But we need we need federal privacy legislation, and that's not yeah. going to come if we don't demand it. We can get started working in states, but at the end of the at the end of a of this journey, we really need something that's more comprehensive. And so mm-hmm. it's it's once again it's using our power as a community uh, and that awareness uh, to demand change that we don't have to be wired. Uh, in a world that doesn't put us at the center of it, all right? We never signed up for that. There is, an al- there is an alternative. We love our devices. We love all that information. But we need rules, rules that are fair. We need accountability. We need transparency so that we can rebuild trust and we could feel that we're the drivers of our own destiny. And I mean, just a few weeks ago, there was a, a couple of viral videos going around about how the new location services aspect on Instagram was automatically tagging your very close location when you didn't think it was going to be doing that. And I think that those are instances where people have are kind of shell-shocked that why would this be the automatic privacy setting versus the thing that I can opt into? But I think that's like the go-to for everyone. <laughs> well, well, Vivian, just a couple of weeks ago, I saw that um, Fa- uh, Meta, formerly Facebook, mm-hmm. was fined something in the in the range of five hundred million for wow. for violating the default setting for children. Um, and but think about it; they have a market cap of over five hundred billion. So the fine is just the cost of doing business for them. We, we've got to we've got to mm-hmm. move beyond a slap on the wrist. 
when um, this kind of information is and, and, and lack of responsibility and accountability is at stake. What were some of the moments in the book that you feel people are going to feel the most shocked about? And then what are the ones that would give you the most hope kind of in the stories that you were telling or the results that came from those stories? It's a great question. I, I think the shock and the hope, uh, I, I see those as very interrelated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've talked a lot about children and when you, when you see and you sit with a parent that has lost a child because they thought they were doing the right thing. Um, and then you see them come back and say, I want to be part of making a difference. And they sign up to testify in front of legislators. And they, with all their dignity and power, represent a child that they've lost. Uh, that's just so inspiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, 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 to me, that what an honor to be able to work for an organization that raises the voices of those parents, of those families, um, to create change, and then seeing the change that they do create, seeing that we have mm-hmm. a sturdy act now, seeing that inclined sleepers are no longer on the marketplace. I, I, it, it is um, a great sense of fulfillment uh, if you can devote your life to that and you can see the way the resilience in people to face it down, to face that power down. So I have an enormous amount of confidence and and. Um, and, and I'm both so inspired by consumers, and I think, I think the market and uh, our um, policymakers uh, have have to respect that uh, integrity that we bring to it, and uh, recognize that uh, the, the, this this has to change. That we have to put consumers back in the center, and recognize that that profits are are not. Uh, just focusing on that is not living up to our democratic values, right? I I love this. I love this quote from FDR where he said, um, you know, freedom uh, for the average citizen is not a half and half affair, right? You have to have the um, equal opportunity in the polling place, but you have to have equal opportunity in the marketplace, and I think that really speaks to it. And it it empowers people's everyday decisions, right? It allows people to live a safe and happy life and exist with the benefits and services and products that we are surrounded by daily. But think, think about it, Vivian. Really job of that. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's also like we go into the marketplace to realize our aspirations. Yeah. Education, a home, which is your most important asset. Uh, the food that you're going to provide, nutrition, that, that's where we go when we're looking to fulfill our aspirations. Um, we have to create the opportunity for everyone um, to be able to go into the marketplace every day and accomplish their life goals. And that's the scary part too, right? I think it's the hopeful part and the part that is fulfilling and that we go in and we go to a grocery store and we stop shop for something that's going to bring us joy when we make it for dinner for our family or we go and buy this new product that's going to bring joy but then at the same time like you've been saying this conversation we have to be able to trust that when we bring that thing home to our family we're not going to get them sick and if we put them in that car it's not going to kill them on the road and I think reading the book for me was a very eye-opening experience of all the things that I just take for granted and trust 
<laughs> without being critical of like, why am I trusting this one thing over this other thing? And where, where is my trust based on is a really big question I sat with through this book. I think that's right. And it, it also, uh, that's a heavy burden. Uh, yeah. Right? Ha- why, again, <laughs> it goes back to why is the burden on us, right? What, mm-hmm. Why why do we have to make all these choices and why do they make it so difficult? Why does life have to be an obstacle course? And the answer is it doesn't have to be. But unless we demand it, uh, the world is going to continue to be wired for um, companies that uh, whose motivation is not putting us first. What are some ways that people can demand it more if they want to top off this episode right now and go and take action in some way, shape, or form. When you go to buyeraware.cr.org, um, it's not just buy the book. We mm-hmm. go through each of the issues that we talk about in the book, and we give you opportunities to engage. Like, do you want to be part of this action? Here are a list of other mm-hmm. organizations that maybe you were really already a part of, that we're working with, that you want to be a part of that. So it, it gives you opportunities to think about what you can do in your community, what mm-hmm. organizations um, you might bring some of these ideas to. You know, uh, to. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, I think start there. See, uh, just peruse through those issues. Look at those actions. And, and I'd love to hear from you. You know, tell mm-hmm. me what you think. Tell me, tell me which one of these you want more information about. We give you a lot of opportunities to do that. Um, and if you want more, then you can buy the book. But we, we're mm-hmm. very intentional about making sure that you have a place to go to so you understand what you can do to raise your voice. Mm-hmm. Love that. And I think two fire around questions that I really want to sit with that I think anyone who is listening is probably thinking about too. I think we covered the wellness aspect, which I think a lot of my followers do follow a lot of people in the space who are um, well-being advocates or telling them that this one thing is going to make your life better in this one way. And so knowing to be thoughtful of how and these spaces are regulated is really important. But I think also we mentioned two demographics that are more vulnerable in a lot of ways, which is our children and elderly individuals or people who are just did weren't born into technology the way that our generation may have been. So I'd love if you had any tips for parents and for the children of parents to navigate how they can help their people be safer, both in the analog world and in the digital world. Um, well, I start again with awareness mm-hmm. is just go into the marketplace with an awareness of uh, that is going to help empower you. And mm-hmm. I think that's the first step. I think um, you've, you've said it a number of times is don't assume uh, that um, things are wired uh, for your safety, for your security. So I mentioned it earlier um, on the digital side, go to our free security planner. Consumer Report Security Planner, it'll walk you through what you need to do to your, go to your children's devices, walk through the security planner, make sure the controls are. I do that for my father's iPad after he was scammed. That's what I did. Those pop-up ads know that elderly are vulnerable. Um, so walk through the security planner. Um, I think, I think that that is our connection to the world and to the marketplace right now. So be really conscious of that. Um, and I'm glad that you focus on both of those vulnerable populations. 
Um, and look, I think you can't start too early. As I said uh, before, mm-hmm. the Girl Scouts now have badges. I uh, love that for cybersecurity. Yeah, that. that is so cool. Uh, I mean, it, it's like we've got to we've got to take it into the real world. What are the vulnerabilities mm-hmm. now for our kids, and and what are they looking at? So I want to see more of that, and so that's why we we are working and partnering with them. And I think there are many organizations that we can do that with. We have to work in coalition to make sure that folks who spend a lot of time with children, right, are. For, I I I'd, I'd love to hear from teachers to see what mm-hmm. what they know, and maybe the security plan or something they can use in their classroom. They can walk the kids through. That would be great, but but that's why we have to create sort of a movement that really sees that it's it's going to be up to us. We have to demand it and start to create that change. It's doable. I remember, think about it, when uh, in the 70s and the 80s, when we had chemicals coursing through, we created an environmental movement that changed all that. We have agencies that monitor that. Well, it's here we are at a different frontier, and it's a digital frontier that is not protecting us and that the rules didn't translate to. So it's another point in time where we have to we have to speak up and speak out and let both government and companies know they need to do better. Mm-hmm. Your example of the seatbelt being a thing that was not original to the car is a perfect example of how far away and close we are to history have <laughs> and how the changes can be enacted the more community effort is put behind these levels of safety. Well, think about the backup camera. That wasn't either, right? Mm -hmm. We only succeeded on that one, I think, nine years ago. We've been fighting the backup camera battle for for years, and and it was not standard. Well, now it's it's after, I think, two years ago, every new car has to have a backup camera. Now we're fighting for the same thing on blind spot warning, forward collision, Mm -hmm. pedestrian, because we know now we have the research, it does save lives. It is safer driving. There's a heck of a lot more distracted driving out there. We need that technology in yeah. every car. So um, it, it um, you have to push the market. You had to incentivize the market to be mm-hmm. um, pro-consumer and putting consumers first. And one of the things I, 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 we often forget is the marketplace consists of supply and demand. Mm-hmm. Like, we're a very important part. We can vote with our pocketbooks. And we can, you know, unite our voices and make real change. Um, I think, again, when I speak to decision makers and they understand mm-hmm. that we have millions of people who care about these issues, they listen up. Um, and, and I think one of those examples most recently was after the Roe versus Wade decision, it was enacted and all of the apps that were helping people track their periods immediately had to send out releases on their public social medias and change their privacy settings so that people were using it felt more protected if they were going to use it or they were not going to be using it anymore. And I think that was just a very quick, concrete example of how effective that could be. That's exactly right. And so a number of years ago, we we did review uh, privacy mm-hmm. app, um, period apps. And so we went back and we updated those reviews. And you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. Um, Companies have proven they can't be a trusted source with that information, and now more than mm-hmm. ever. And so what can you do if if you want to use those apps, and what can mm-hmm. you check? And a lot of the ratings, we we found that um, if you want to use them, there are you know, a number of things you really want to watch out for. You want to make sure that you, know, you use local data storage, that it stays on mm-hmm. your phone and not elsewhere. 
Um, you want to stop that third-party tracking. If you've gone through the security planner, you've accomplished that. And you want to go with um, uh, um, an app that, that is kind of really transparent about their reporting and what they're doing. And I have to say, unfortunately, the period apps that are out there, not all of them comply with that. You know, none of them were committed to those three things. Two of them had to. And so um, I, I just would invite your listeners to to check that review out. It's, it's on the site and they could easily access it. Um, but, you know, our health data should be sacred. Mm-hmm. And secret. <laughs> For the most part, should be secret to yes. us and whoever we yes. decide we want to share it to. What's secret right now is how they're collecting our data. <laughs> yeah. That's and what's that's perverse about part. it. Yes. Yeah. And that's the scary part. I think as we start wrapping up this conversation, which has been so informative and fun, and I think that is also something I would love listeners to take away from the book, is that it is not a dry book. It is very interesting, very shell-shocking at times from my perspective, just learning some stuff. Um, and it is important. I think that the more technologically inundated we are around the world between like the connection between the analog and the digital is so, there's a very thin line between it now. Um, it is as important to make sure that you're really diving in and understanding what information you're allowing people to take from you and which ones you don't. Are there any tips that you want to leave people with as they are kind of wrapping up and listening to this conversation? I think there's so many ways in which um, we can benefit by our own agency. And mm -hmm. I think uh, if there's not trust in the marketplace and in government, trust in yourself, trust in your ability to make smart choices um, in using the, the information from a trusted source. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I invite all your listeners, be part of a community um, that does that for you. And um, come to the buyerware.cr.org, get to know us, um, connect with other people that really care about some of these changes. Um, we believe you can live in a world that respects for your privacy and not lose functionality on all the devices we love. That's a trap. We believe you can have a car and should have a car that has all the safety standards and still have a profitable car manufacturing company. We believe that you can have, you should be able to buy the food on the, you know, at the grocery store and know that the standards of that food will protect your family's health. So it, it, it really is, um, we've, we've got to fight for rules that are fair, um, for transparency, if we're going to rebuild trust. Um, and really, uh, all of that is in service to for us to be the drivers of our own destiny, to use the marketplace as a place for our aspirations, not to be caught in traps uh, and tricks um, from folks that do not put us first in their in their business model. Um, so I, I, I invite all of you to, to come and to... Um, get to know us and get to know each other so that we can raise our voices together. Your mission is so important. And I'll make sure to include all of this in the show notes as well so that everyone can have easy access to it. Um, my last question, it's kind of a, a two-part question and it's what I end all my conversations on lately, but it's what's making you happy to be here? And then also if you have any recs for people on what more they can read in addition to your book or listen to um, or anything that you want to leave them with kind of last last word here. Well, what makes me happy to be here, uh, Vivian, is also you and your devotion oh, to this you. and that you are, you are looking out for your listeners and inviting 
uh, conversations to raise awareness about this issue. So thank you for that. Um, uh, I think I think we need more content that does exactly that. Um, I would say what gives me hope. Um, you know, we've been through a lot. We've been we're we're still going through COVID. We're seeing inflation in the way it's robbing a lot of people of some of their aspirations um, because the econo- the the economy is is struggling so much. We're seeing uh, a lot of uh, violence and we're seeing a racial reckoning. There's been so much. There's a heavy burden on us, and it really feels like things are happening to us, not for us. Um, and I think your message of self-care is really important. I mean, in addition to um, being aware and being conscientious and of our own agency, I think you have to take self-care. So uh, in a job like mine where I'm seeing it and I'm on the front lines every day, um, you know, some of the things I do is I reach for other ways to sort of uh, set, regenerate. And poetry has been that for me. Um, and so uh, the thing I'm really looking forward to is Sandra Cisneros' new poetry book. She hasn't written one in decades. Um, and it's called Women Without Shame. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, as you might imagine, I'm reading so many things that sometimes just a poem is what I have time for to kind of fill up again. And um, that's something that, that I'm excited about and I'm looking forward to. I love that. And I just want to thank you again, Martha, for being on here and informing so many of my listeners about what you do in your everyday job, who you are and how inspiring that is. And this book that they can hopefully pick up, I'll make sure to link on everywhere. And also I'll be giving one away, which is really exciting. Thank you, Vivian. Really happy to be here. You can find all the links Martha shared on today's show notes on vivnunez.com. Don't forget to rate, review, or share Happy to Be Here with a Friend. It can go a long way as we continue to build up the community. I'll catch you next Thursday with a new conversation.